Woohoo! Yes, I'm heading to the beach for just a couple of weeks, but I, I wouldn't want to leave you hanging. So welcome to this three-episode ESG takeover of the Give First podcast. You know, here at Techstars, we believe Give First and ESG go hand in hand because ESG is directly related to how companies impact the world. What the heck is ESG? Well, if you don't know, it's an acronym for Environment, Social, and Corporate Governance. It stands for the three main standards by which a company could be measured to determine its impact on the world. And being proactive about ESG risks and opportunities helps founders make their companies more resilient and create longer-term value in any type of economic conditions. So in this three-episode series focused on ESG, Dr. Mary Jane Fox, who helps lead ESG here at Techstars, will interview founders and industry experts to uncover actionable ESG practices for founders like you to apply to their early stage companies. So stay tuned. Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? In this first of three ESG Takeover episodes, Mary Jane talks with Olivia Peterson, who's the founder and CEO of Sisteo, a consumer climate impact intelligence platform, and with Sarah Olson, founder and CEO of the SVT Group, an impact management firm. So you're going to learn about what a carbon footprint is for an early stage tech startup and get advice about how to start measuring yours. You'll also hear about the potential business benefits of measuring your company's impact. Let's jump in with Dr. Fox and these guests. Olivia, thanks for joining us. Before we jump into the ESG practice of carbon footprinting your company, tell us about your company, Sisteo, and what it does. Yeah, thanks for having me today. So at Sisteo, we are building a FICO for sustainability and ultimately focusing on quantifying the climate impact of a consumer and how those metrics can aggregate up into large impact and change in terms of the environment as well as in other realms. What we're doing with our Sisteo score, which is ultimately the consumer climate impact score, is measuring, of course, emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, but then we're also taking a step further and measuring the water resiliency and reductions of a consumer along with the consumption rates of a consumer and even the climate resiliency. So we're building out this comprehensive score that the consumer will be able to use to unlock better pricing in the world and businesses will be able to use to ultimately measure their scope three emissions. And we'll get into what that means later, along with the overall climate impact of their consumer, whether that's employee or customer. Thank you. That's great context. The next question, we're going to jump into this ESG practice. For those in the audience who might not know what a carbon footprint is, can you give us the Cliff's Notes explanation, which is relevant to an early stage company, and then give us a glimpse into the how? Like, what does it look like to calculate it? Particularly, how do you suggest a founder get started? 
Yeah. So ultimately, a carbon footprint of a company is the greenhouse gas emissions of that company. And that means the carbon dioxide, the methane, et cetera, um, those gases that make up this overall footprint that is measured in what's called CO2E. So that's carbon dioxide equivalents. And you'll start to see these acronyms out there, CO2E, et cetera. And with that, the CO2E is measuring these different scopes, meaning these different levels of carbon emitted, emissions emitted. And carbon is kind of a shorthand term that is very popular today. So when you hear carbon today, you're hearing ultimately CO2 equivalents, which is ultimately greenhouse gas emissions. So with measuring your carbon in your company, you have to focus on your scope one, two, and three. In, in shorthand, scope one is your direct emissions that company is directly responsible for. Your scope two is your indirects, meaning the power you use at your headquarters, et cetera. And three is associated. And that's really where Sisteo is focusing our carbon quantifications on. That scope three, we're specifically focused on post-consumer purchase. But scope three is usually the largest realm of emissions, as well as almost the hardest to calculate. So it's a big, vague world with scope three, but in a nutshell, that's what it is. And so for young startups, trying to calculate their emissions and, and really trying to understand that, a lot of us are in software, and that's what we're in. So I can particularly speak to that. We're not a supply chain heavy company. So if you're particularly a software as a service company, the things that you can really focus on, it's two things. It's running the software, and that's particularly servers and transmission of what you're doing with your software. So that's your biggest footprint in addition to your people. So your people moving around, doing their thing to make the business run. So that's flights. That's being in the office, turning on lights. But really for software companies, I think those are the two biggest things to focus on if you don't have a physical product, a material product. I'm curious, why did you decide to calculate the carbon footprint of your company? And what have you seen as the potential benefits of doing so? Yeah, so the whole reason why I started my company is because I am super frustrated and curious about externalized costs and how a lot of what we're talking about here is emissions are externalized costs and externalized costs are basically things that we do not pay for, but utilize the resources of. So that being emissions is something that today we are not, you know, carbon taxed on, but we will in the near future, hopefully, in my opinion. With calculating the carbon footprint of my company, it was a way to make sure that I'm building a big, big data for good company and making sure we're accounting for our externalized costs. The benefits of doing so is ultimately to know, you know, being a climate impact intelligence and data company, we need to know what our carbon footprint is. But most importantly, it's responsible business practice to manage your carbon effectively and making sure that you're taking responsibility for the impact and the externalized costs that your company is creating. And another benefit is that if you start calculating your carbon footprint now, as an early stage company, you start building this into a framework of your business practices, it'll be much easier to scale your business with carbon counting in mind. Say, for example, you try to bring this type of accounting in at Series A, you might get pushback or pressure from stakeholders not to do this or to do this in a certain way. So if you can really own this right now and build your own business practices around carbon accounting at an early phase, it'll be much easier to scale that instead of trying to bring it in way later down the line. So knowing that many in the audience are early stage founders like you, do you have any other advice or encouragement you wish you'd received on calculating the company's footprint? before you got started? Like if you could go back and give yourself some advice, 
what advice would you give? There's a huge difference between the carbon footprint of a two-person startup versus a 500-employee company and all the impact that goes into that. So as an early startup, the things you can really start to focus on and what I think I got really stressed out at the beginning was trying to make sure we were hitting all of the boxes with our carbon accounting. But really, start with reductions. Do you need to fly? Can it be a Zoom meeting? The high-intensity things of young startups is really the people moving around, especially if you're only software. So reduce your high-impact stuff. And you can use the sustainable platform to figure out what those things are. And also keep tabs. How many flights did you take that year? You know, you might need resources or a expert to do this, but try to get a carbon footprint analysis on your annual carbon footprint. And then ultimately, if you're too early, you don't have any resources to hire somebody or you don't have a friend who's in carbon accounting. One thing though, like on that note, to get a carbon accounting report for your company, you could ask an intern who's getting an impact MBA, who's getting a carbon accounting credit. Reach out to a school who has these programs so that interns can get experience and you can actually have a baseline of what your carbon footprint is. And then ultimately, the biggest thing I think you could do at the end of the line, if you can't reduce and you've kept tabs, is you can offset the carbon footprint of each individual in your company annually. So buy a carbon offset for each individual. And it's cheap. It's going to be anywhere from $12 to $50 for an annual offset of an individual. So it's a super easy thing, low-hanging fruit to do. That is a perfect thing for an early, early startup with really low resources. That's such tangible, actionable advice. I'm so grateful that you can share that with us. And it's based on your experience. So thanks for being here. And thanks for hopefully giving people some inspiration and encouragement to get started on that ESG practice of carbon footprinting your company. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Thank you. So great to hear from Olivia, CEO of Sisteo, about ways startups can measure their carbon footprint. But now let's hear from Sarah Olson, CEO of the SBT Group, to explore measuring company impact. Before we jump into the ESG practice of measuring company impact, Sarah, can you tell us about your background and what SBT Group does? Thanks, Mary Jane. SVT Group helps companies understand the extra financial value they create, their social return on investment, or SROI, the value for people and the environment. Uh, So basically, we help them put substance behind their ESG practices. We've been doing this for 21 years. Actually, we're entering our 22nd year next month. Over that time, we've developed systems to account for about $9.5 billion in assets under management most of which is private equity, some debt, uh, some grants, and earned revenue, of course. Some of our recent projects include working with Techstars Workforce Development Accelerator, which has been great fun. We've worked with one of the three most visited web platforms in the world. And we're doing some interesting stuff with a private equity fund headquartered in Hong Kong that invests in the US, Europe, Asia, and is looking to drive both financial performance and well-being for the people affected by their portfolio companies and their investments. Wow, 22 years of doing this. I'm so excited to hear what you have to share with us. So let's talk about when we talk about measuring impact for startups, what does that mean to you? So we think it's a waste of time to report anything that isn't going to help the startup win. And the game is a game for customers, for the best talent, and for money to make your vision become reality. 
So the question is, what are customers' talent and money looking for? And what they're looking for is awareness on the company's part of systemic risk and how the company plays a role in that. And what that means is, does the company define value creation, not only in terms of shareholders, but also value to people and to the planet? And does the company have management competencies in place to address risks that have to do with its effect on people and the planet and to exploit the opportunities presented by those effects? So it's crucial for startups to have a few simple things in place. The first is awareness of the value they bring to people's lives. What role does the startup play in making society better and not worse? So if you can understand who you are affecting, who you benefit, and how to measure that benefit, that's the place to start. You mentioned about helping a startup win. So why would it be beneficial for a startup to start measuring impact at an early stage? What have you seen as the potential benefits for the company? Yeah, that's a great question. And I do believe that starting this very early is key. Sometimes people consider that there may be a time when it's too early to start thinking about measuring impact. And I think there is something to that. If you're still figuring out your basic model and who you're even addressing as customers, I do think that measuring impact doesn't make that much sense. But you can begin thinking about what is the purpose of the company in terms of the the solution you want to bring into the world and who is it that is benefited by that. And getting clear on that purpose has huge power from the earliest time. And that's because both customers and top talent want to be part of solving societal problems and they definitely don't want to be creating societal problems and adding to them. So if you want to recruit the best team, the people who are going to work hard, be smart and sort of systems level thinkers, but also capable of executing at the highest level, and you want customers who will be loyal to you, it's crucial to get on top of this early. And it's a great advantage. And importantly, investors are also wanting visibility. They're demanding visibility into the way companies affect society and especially in terms of climate risk, but also in terms of other facets of well-being, like inclusion. Are certain communities being left out of opportunity? And are, how does your company speak into that issue? And regulators, because of this demand coming from investors, regulators, including SEC, are stepping up to standardize what that's going to look like. So understanding and having a system around your effects on people and the planet is key. Being able to value those impacts, even in monetary terms, is going to be part of that. And awareness of those impacts is going to become standard procedure. And those who aren't aware of that and managing for that are going to look out of touch. And we don't want to look out of touch, especially when we're talking to investors. So could you give us a glimpse into the how? Like, What steps do you recommend founders take to start measuring impact. I see, Mary Jane, that in this series today and the next two sessions, you've got basically three concepts for how people can get started with an ESG practice. Each one of those is going to be the right fit for some part of our audience. The approach I'm going to describe 
is for those who like to know how does our impact relate to and how does it advance our strategy as a company overall. So this is maybe for the people who tend to be strategic thinkers. The first place to begin is thinking about what is the purpose of this startup? All startups have a purpose rooted in some kind of value proposition that makes life better for some group of people. What is that purpose? If you're clear about the company's purpose relative to solving people's problems, that means the core drivers of performance for your company come back to the kinds of solutions that generate long-term value. And any impact metrics you then track as part of your ESG practice or your impact measurement practice, any of those metrics will be linked to your company's core strategy. So starting with what is your purpose in terms of people's well-being as question one, who do you affect? Who is affected by what you do as a company? As question two, how do you affect them? Is number three. And which of those effects is most important to track for your business? And that could be either because it's directly aligned with your financial performance or because it's a very important issue to those who are affected or because it's going to help you with your sales pitch. Which of those are most important to track is this fourth question. How are you going to track it is the fifth. And then once you're tracking that, how are you going to quantify the value of the benefits you are bringing to that group or the value of that effect? If you can monetize that, turn it into monetary value terms, then you can have conversations with a lot of interesting people. Those are the six questions that we would work any startup through uh, to anchor your impact measurement and management practice in your core value proposition as a startup. So then you use that information to make decisions and that becomes an impact management system that demonstrates that you've got management competency that is ready for what, what comes next that's fit for the future, as you'll hear people say. Sarah, could you walk us through an example of why it's been beneficial for a startup to start measuring impact? Sure. One example is Mentorspaces, who's an, a Techstars alum. Mentorspaces have told us and their fellow alum from the Techstars Workforce Development Accelerator that when they approached investors for their Series A, they found that being able to articulate what their value proposition was in terms of a targeted group of people who, whom they benefit and what the value of the benefit they could bring to that group was, they were able to have a much more sophisticated conversation much more quickly with investors and arrive much sooner at a decision point by the investor and also insight on their own part into whether this investor was aligned with their goals or not. So they got to yes or no more quickly, and it saved them time. They definitely felt that it helped them get to yes as well. They've also found that they're able to have conversations with potential customers who are facing, for example, uh, a need for solutions to reduce turnover, a need to increase the diversity of their workforces, and 
scrutiny from investors who are watching those issues and, and looking for better solutions on the part of the company to those problems because it drives value for the company. We've also heard from other startups who have been able to interest top talent in coming to work for them for even a lower salary, perhaps, because they are clear about the purpose and the way they are addressing a societal problem that that person cares about. But not just that they're clear about the purpose when they can demonstrate that they have a real impact management plan underneath that vision. So it's not just an intention. It's not just a wishful thinking on the part of the founder. It's actually something they're really managing to and they are committed to being serious about driving that value then they win people to come work with with them who might not have otherwise thought it was worth it because they weren't sure about the capability of the company. This shows capability. This shows seriousness. And so we hear that a lot, that people win the best talent by doing this. Thank you so much, Sarah. That was so informative. There's action steps to take baked into this conversation. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you, Mary Jane. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First. First.